And although on the street in Harlem, it was really Harlem, upstairs in the apartment buildings where we lived, it was middle class. And we were children of the tiny black middle class of that day. And I was fortunate enough to be a child of the civil rights movement as well. And the people in the civil rights movement believed, I am convinced, that believed in Jefferson's declaration as much as we children did. And they believed that the only thing that was wrong with America was this kind of glass wall that kept them from participating in it. And they further believed, I think, that if they were permitted to participate fully in American life, that the shackles would fall from the eyes of white Americans and that discrimination would soon go away because all of the beliefs supporting discrimination <laughs> would be proved to be false. <coughs> well, they won Brown. Many years later when Robert Carter, Thurgood Marshall's deputy, was asked, why didn't you foresee more of the problems that were ahead of you, he said, we thought segregation was the box we were in. We didn't understand the evil of racism that underlay the problems that we were struggling with. As a child of that time, my whole adult life has been spent watching the hope, the arc of hope, and then the terrible dip of despair as we have watched what has happened after Brown. And so I want to talk to you tonight about what I think ought to happen. <coughs> but I want to say to you that I think it's both odd and sad that 40 years after Brown, that African Americans should be facing what John Hope Franklin has described as their greatest peril since slavery. <coughs> the socioeconomic condition of the people who are economically in the bottom 40% of black America is both disastrous and deteriorating. In my view, the next 40 years require a powerful and sustained effort to rebuild the black family, especially in that besieged part of society. The task is daunting. This economic devastation has resulted in hideous social disintegration. Murder has become the leading cause of death for teenage black males. Inner cities and the schools in them have become so dangerous that the great bulk of law-abiding people there and the children 
who want to learn lead lives of sheer terror. Youngsters in the inner city see death so much that children as young as 11 plan their own funerals. I interviewed one young man in the detention center for juveniles in the District of Columbia. He was there for murder. He said that when he got out, he was going to, he said, I'm going to get me a big gun and I'm going to go pow, 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 pool, blow them cats away who did me in. I said, do you want to spend the rest of your life in prison? He said, man, where you been? This is DC. I ain't gonna live past 21. That boy said those words to me. He was 14 years old. Now, many white Americans hark back to the 60s. And they, some people even talk to me about my uncle, about Martin King, and say, oh, if we only had that kind of leadership. Well, I'm here to tell you. And they think that the contemporary racial problems stem from a lack of black leadership. I love Martin, I love my uncle, I love Thurgood, but I am here to tell you that nothing could be further from the truth than that there is not sufficient and effective black leadership in this country. There is a broader and richer and abler array at many levels of black leadership in this country than in any time in our nation's history. What is missing is white leadership. The black leaders of the 60s could not have changed the country by themselves. Whites in the Congress and city halls and state houses and pulpits and ultimately in the White House gave the leadership to white Americans that made it possible for the country to destroy some of the shackles history had placed on all Americans. Now, many white leaders of politics and opinion both push to marginalize the strongest black voices and rush to condemn the behavior of the blacks most damaged by our history and our current economic conditions. Condemnation misses the point. People and families of all backgrounds fall apart under severe economic stress. During every recession, newspapers report that the incidence of divorce, drug abuse, alcoholism, suicide, spouse and child abuse all rise. Black America has been in depression for 20 years, but white America rushes past obvious economic answers to settle on an ugly and persistent fretting about the wretched behavior patterns of the black poor. In fact, vast numbers of black, poor black people do work, and vast numbers of others desperately want to work. Just the other day, the New York Times reported that when there was a strong hint of a new enterprise in Detroit, 10,000 people lined up in the coal for a chance to apply. Now, white leaders need not embrace the fantasy that all poor blacks are saintly victims. They are not. Some very bad and some very reckless people have been produced by poverty and isolation. But there are many more people who want law, order, and opportunity. In any event, the black poor are part of us, a part of America that will have an enormous impact on our common future. White politicians will not respond to this need until white opinion leaders join black leaders in demanding that we begin the final push to repair the deep and ugly racist damage that our history has done to us all.
And we cannot be impatient about this task. We Americans took centuries to create this problem. Blacks arrived on the North American continent in 1619. For 246 of the ensuing 374 years, we had slavery or something very close to it. And for 100 years after that, we had constitutionally sanctioned racial subordination. We've only had something other than slavery or legal racial subordination for 28 years. The question for white leaders is simple. Would you rather spend our treasure on police and prisons or on programs that promote families and put people to work? Both are very expensive. It is just that the family program works a whole lot better, both for the people who are targeted and for the entire American future. Thank you for having me with you.